This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Behold podcast, everybody. This is Sean and Dan, as usual, for the Behold podcast. And today we have a treat. Uh, Some know him as a wise guru. Others know him as a brother and a friend. Still others know him as a lover and a husband. The one and only Jason Moog. He's also a father, too. I hope only one knows me as a lover and a husband. The list goes on and on. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, for that. Hello, everyone. How are you, Jason? I'm well, thank you. Now that, now that I'm here and with you guys, I'm well. Wow. Yeah. Do you want to tell us anything fun, fun update about your life or any, any uh, silly silliness going on or anything you want to? I mean, I'm, the floor I'm, is yours. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, taking a, I'm dropping a car off at the airport tonight at, at, in San Jose at, at around 10 p.m. at night. That sounds shady. Like delivering a package for yeah, an I'll, unknown. I'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, a, a VBC family's flying in. But anyway, uh, I. Long. This is. I'll just get cut to the chase. We decided to do something silly, Natalie and I, in in autumn, and and spend the night in San Jose at a Airbnb that is a treehouse. Oh, that's so fun! I've it's kind of like a treehouse. I've always wanted to do it because that's like a category in Airbnb. Like it is treehouses or whatever. I've always I've always looked at those. So there's We're, a good there's a good one in San Jose. Well, I'll let you know later. It right. look good. It's got high reviews. That's good. It's got a little mini golf course. It's kind of like a treehouse meets a fort. It sounds really fun. So it's like this guy. It's got like a. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll send pictures. So we'll see. I'm, I'm, it's just an overnight. We'll be back tomorrow, back at work. But that sounds really fun. That's wow. kind of fun. I love it. That's that's a. I thought you were say. I thought you were going to say that you did something fun to the car, like you put like a hundred balloons in it. And when they open the door, like the balloons <laughs> oh, are going to come out. I didn't think of that. It's not too yeah, late. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're going to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Okay. Yeah. Actually, you, you I'll, I'll they're going to be tired from their travels. Yeah. You don't want to mess with right, them. Right. I did wow. glitter bomb. A glitter did, bomb blows an, up in their right. face or whatever. It is an SUV, you know, to fit their family of five. But yeah. um, I told them, yeah, I'm bringing the Prius tonight. Uh, my mom's Prius tonight. So, oh, that's really funny. <laughs> that, that was my little haha moment. Yeah, joke, yeah, yeah. Joke. That's good. I like that. I'm sure they know I'm joking, but yeah, that's as much as I got. Well, it's it's great to have you, dude. You Thank look you. well. Um, how about the uh, uh, the views from around the valley today? Uh, finally, the clouds are gone. You can mm-hmm. really see the snow on top of Diablo. Did you guys get a glimpse of that today? That beautiful. It's incredible. Um, hopefully, you guys are all uh, safe out there, all you beholders. You're not you're not uh, buried under a pile of snow like Sean was this weekend. Yeah, it's fun. Patty and I and Wendy, we went up to Twain Hart for a, uh, just a great time in the snow. And it was funny because we were supposed to go somewhere else for this vacation, but... Things changed. We rolled with the punches, but then after we booked this Airbnb in Twain Heart and invited our good friends with their newborn baby to come with us, start getting all these weather warnings that there's a huge blizzard in the Sierras. Oh my gosh! Like, do not travel. All this stuff, and we're like, man, what do we do? Be fine. Uh, we just went for it. We said, if we get uncomfortable, we'll just turn around and be sad. And in the Lord's providence, we got up there just in time. The storm rolled in that night, and we woke up to just a crazy winter wonderland. Every great clip of us in the hot tub just being dumped on, like blizzard conditions, and just a great time. And then uh, the storm cleared, and we drove home, and it really was just perfect. But yeah, man, sweetest thing about that was watching my my little daughter run around in the snow and just be happy, you know? Just watching her just love being out there. What is it with kids in snow? They just love, they they can't get enough of it. Dude, she, this morning she wakes up, look out the window, snow? <laughs> Patty's like, sorry, no. Sorry. <laughs> so disappointing. You're going to run Diablo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
Uh, wow. Well, anyways, uh, hopefully, listeners, you all are, are, are well also. Maybe some of you got to the snow in Morgan Territory, Mount Diablo, whatnot. And hopefully, just like Dan said, that you're reminded of uh, just the beauty of creation and more importantly, the creator. Amen. Uh, today, we are talking about uh, the Gospel of Luke. We've been in the Gospel of Luke for the last couple months here at Valley Bible Church. Glimpses of glory. Glimpses of glory. I like it. Um, and yeah, that that's the theme is that we see in Luke that through uh, the humility of Jesus, we see glimpses of the Father's glory. And something that we're going to start heading into pretty soon here is a section of teaching where Jesus starts giving a lot of parables and lots of descriptions of, hey, the kingdom is like this or the kingdom is like this. And so it just prompts kind of this discussion of the kingdom. You know, he, he says all these things about the kingdom. And for us now, living in the new covenant, followers of Christ, Man, what a huge topic for us to be considering. You know, what is the kingdom of God? And, and more importantly, how do we fit into that, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Charlie said that's going to get us started here today is every kingdom has a couple things. You know, every kingdom has a, a realm, um, which we know for Jesus is everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also every kingdom has a king and it has citizens. And that sounds simple, but as we get into it today, man, that really has implications for almost every part of our life of, of who is the king, both who is King Jesus, but also who is the king in our hearts right now in action and in speech and attitude and all those things. And then how do the citizens behave in that, in that kingdom? How do the citizens shift their lives to be in alignment with their king and their king's goals and whatnot? So that said, with that topic of king and citizens, um, let's just get started. What are some things that jumped out to you? Uh, with Charlie on Sunday. Yield to you, Pastor Jason. Um, yeah, I was thinking through the lens of of things that stood out to me. Did you read the passage? I, I missed that. First. We didn't yet. Yeah, we we, didn't. Let's read that that one. That I think that'd be good. The one oh, that you were saying, Dan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess I will start then. As I, you, you see my yield, uh, and you raise me a yield. I did, was like I, a, I did a Jedi, like a, a Jedi mind trick, reverse card right there. Yeah. So the thing that has really just been sticking with me is Charlie talked about this concept from Colossians one. You can read about it in verse thirteen, but just this concept of God delivering us from from this domain of darkness. So there's this there's this other kingdom that's that's going on, and we know from Scripture that. Um, you know, by God has allowed the enemy to be the, to, to, to have dominion over this world, that he's a, he's a ruler of this world. And we know that at the cross, um, you know, <laughs> that he's been defeated and now he's just kind of, he has it on rent, you know, and, and rent is due. And, and that's part of what, what our job is as citizens of this kingdom is to p- participate with God and repossessing this, this domain for, you know, his kingdom. But, but anyway, when we come to Christ, we get delivered out of Satan's kingdom and we get transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son Amen. and just love that, that concept. And, and so that's really what I've been pondering on since Sunday is like, what is it, what does it look like to be a, a citizen? And for those of you beholders who have been part of quest ministry over the last couple months, we've been doing a a series on that. Uh, It's just called citizens. And we've been talking about what is it, what does it mean to live as, you know, being loyal to the King? What does it mean to, to live uh, under his rule and reign? And we've been getting some of the the particulars. So 
I think that's a great place to start the conversation. Yeah. And and yeah. I'll throw it off to you, Jason. Like what what have you maybe maybe mm-hmm. you could answer like what have you been really benefiting from as you've been like planning and studying and 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 working seeing that theme play out in young adults ministry. Yeah. I love the well what's helpful for me to think through is is what you said the king this kingdom of darkness versus kingdom of light so getting mm-hmm. my head around that there is a, that is revealed by Jesus primarily that there is king a kingdom and he helps us understand that what you said Dan that since the beginning Satan has since the fall um before the fall but certainly since the fall when when Satan engages with humanity um there's he's been setting up a counter kingdom yeah. And it's so every if you look throughout redemptive history, um, you see like every time that God does something, God raises up prophets, Satan raises up false prophets, God raises up kings, Satan raises up evil kings, mm-hmm. um, nations, God raises up godly nations, Satan um, instructs or influences ungodly nations, um, teachers, false teachers. So it's just like it's like he's like. Everything he's doing is counter king, counter, counter king, yeah. counter, and 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 so we enter that that kingdom actually in, as subjects, you know, slaves to sin, right? Um, instruments of right of unrighteousness. We enter into life already subjects of the a dark kingdom, hmm. and so just kind of maybe just thinking through that lens of like, you don't naturally, you're not naturally born into a kingdom of light. You've got to enter into a kingdom of light, and you're you can you, that comes through Christ and Christ alone. We, we, I know you've talked a lot about that on this podcast. So, um, just that concept. That and, and then if you don't, every human being out there is functioning either yielding to that kingdom of darkness. Most you know, you ask your average person, they're not going to say, I, 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 "I, yeah, I'm with the dark king." Right. Yeah. right, right. <laughs> you'll, you'll meet a few of them out, yeah. especially in the city. But no, um, yeah, I just feel like uh, most people wouldn't think that way. But that's the language Jesus is using. There's either um, in His kingdom or not in His kingdom, and most people would even articulate this, which Charlie mentioned in second service because we, we chatted in between the services. I said, you got you to gotta say something about the kingdom of self because everybody is, is functioning as their own king if you don't yield naturally to some king, right? And so you're, you're all about building your own kingdom, your kingdom of self, your, your career, your relationships, your life, you know. So it's a big countercultural shift to begin to live as a subject as a citizen in another kingdom, that you feel like. Do you feel like the kingdom of self thing is is a symptom of the modern age? Because uh, with the push for individualism and personal autonomy, and just just the unprecedented freedom that you know uh, the Western countries you know have experienced in the last even you know hundred years, fifty years, whatever. Do you think that's a modern age problem? Because I, I don't know. I just think about like, I think that there's probably, a, in my mind, there's a lot of, you know, generations and centuries of, of human existence where people were more subservient and, and they were used to being part of a, of a kingdom and having a physical, you know, there's, there's a monarch or there's, yeah, yeah. you know, there's, there's some kind of group of people that basically run the show and I know my place. And so I just kind of work, I work the land and I, do my thing and yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, do you think it's a... Well, for yeah. sure. I was going to say that, actually. I think that we're so used to, like, we, all we know is what we know. You know, we've grown up in this generation and this level of globalization and just connectivity. And I think that nowadays, especially in this part of America, at least, people grow up thinking less and less about their identity being tied to them being American, you know? Mm -hmm. Of course, we enjoy the benefits of America and we like America in certain ways and all that kind of stuff, but, like, it doesn't form the core of who we are for the most part. Obviously, we all know people who are, like, very patriotic. Proud to be an American. But the point is, most people, I think, in our church family at least, don't really think that way often. Um, But, yeah, in these times, I mean, this is everything. This is, (laughs) if you are from Israel, you are an Israelite, period. And that defines who you are. You know, if you are a Roman citizen, that completely informs everything about your your work environment, about what your household is like, about the the laws you follow. Yeah. And it reminds me of, like, um, I'm sure you guys have talked about this whole kind of analogy in your, your gathering series. But when someone applies for citizenship now, there's a whole process, right? And what does that process look like? It's like, okay, they have to 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 state and say that I am, am desiring to be a citizen of the United States. And in doing so, I am agreeing to live my life according to X, Y, and Z, you know? And just think about that analogy. And obviously, that's not a perfect analogy for the amazing kingdom of God, you know? But this person wanting to be a citizen, there's reasons why. There's something that they see in this nation that, that is, is motivating that, you know? And so because of that, they're willing to subscribe to that kingdom's way of things, you know? That process, for some reason, feels very black and white, and they're, they're aware of that, and they can grasp it. But then when we talk about the kingdom of God, suddenly it becomes so much more ambiguous of like, what do you mean? And yet, it should be so much more so for us that we know exactly who our king is and what he's asking of us, and we know exactly what that means for our lives, both in, in attitude, but also in like specific actions, specific words that come out of our mouths or not and specific things we use our time and money for and all those kinds of things. So anyways, no, I totally agree with you that, yeah, I think that the, just the idea of being a citizen is less and less thought about now than it would have been 2,000 years ago. Yeah, and I would love to just drill down on this. I would love to, to talk about some specifics. What are some things that are on your guys' hearts and minds pastorally, just as you've been navigating and, 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 and studying this stuff. What, what are some, give us some like particulars and, and specifics of like, what, what is a citizen like that's yeah. different? You know, we've been transferred into this new kingdom. Like, what does it look like? I, I, yeah. I, have, I do have a thought on that before I answer that, just to loop back to that other question where is it, is a the symptom concept of the of, modern age? Yeah. Is the yeah. concept of kingdom of self? I, I think no, because I think fundamentally, it's just that's at the core of who we are is to think of self. That's part of our our sinful nature. So mm-hmm. that's that we see that in every culture. What I think maybe in agreement with what you guys are saying is I think so a, a culture like you know you look back like in first century Palestine. It's a very we we've talked about this in our series. That's a very clan clan tribe culture. That's the mentality is it's we language. It's hard to see. It's about the group. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to see yourself. It would have been hard to see yourself outside of the family unit, yeah. your tribe, your, um, and that's, and that's something that we don't have so much here in Western culture and in this time period. Um, but even in there you would have had, there's still sin and Jesus is calling people out in their sin and their sin really is of, of, of making themselves kings of their own lives. So yeah. it, it's still mm-hmm. there. I just think what's more of a symptom of the modern time is, especially in Western individualism, 
is uh i want to use the word the debauchery of it debauchery is just the public the, the willingness to shamelessly talk about sin so you, mm-hmm. it's just like it's a proud thing it's celebrated yeah it's celebrated to talk about self on the kingdom i'm so i'm, I'm the master at- of my own den captain of my own ship master right, of my own yeah, destiny your right? autonomy is what we want to acquire in life you, you're you're self-sufficient you know you're a self-made man so it's just a it's it's just talked openly and then celebrated openly and i think that's more of a modern and even legislated right it's like there's yeah. there's laws that are coming out to help people <laughs> set up their own little kingdom you know yeah. to be to be in charge of of, of everything that they do or you yeah. know yeah it's, and then that's, i know it's that to be a discussion for another podcast but even then just the the shift of like you can choose your identity now like that that's like that's mm-hmm. the ultimate affront on i'm the king of my own self like i on that level so yeah i think as a core issue in terms of the human condition it's always been there i think in different cult i think we're living in a culture where it's just it's highlighted so, yeah that's a thought on that that's a good um, point in terms of like some specifics for um you know this idea of citizenship and citizens one thing i was thinking about is that um there's this paradox that happens when Jesus comes on the scene, actually with John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, when John the Baptist is saying, hey, let's." Re-, he's calling people to repent, and he's saying in Matthew chapter 3, I think um, in the first part of chapter 3 there, he's saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. And then there's this shift that takes place, repent because the kingdom of God is near, and then there's a shift that takes place where Jesus says, Jesus is on the scene, he's saying, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Wow, that's and, cool. And so there's this weird kind of paradox where we aren't actually living as citizens in heaven, in the new city right now, right. where Jesus is reigning and ruling. We will live as citizens in that kingdom. That's that's the promise of a follower of Jesus adopted into the family of God, right? But we, but it, Jesus is like saying, "My victory is already done." Even though I haven't gone to the cross yet, the victory, the kingdom of God is here. Yeah, and you can, you want, you, I want you to get to function. I want you to begin to function and think as kingdom citizens now. And then I want, then He's going to die on the cross, make it possible for us to be citizens of that kingdom. Then He's going to, you know, raise again, proving Himself that He, proving to us that He is who He says He is, and sealing us with the Holy Spirit. And then he leaves and says, "I'm coming back for you, and I'll bring you back to the to the. Uh, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll provide for you a new city and a new kingdom, right? Mm. But in the meantime, while I'm away, I want you to function now on Earth as even though you're citizens of certain nations that you're in, you're really functioning as ambassadors, and you're that's First Corinthians, right? And then you're 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 gonna think like citizens." of a kingdom that you'll eventually be in because you're experiencing the fruit of that kingdom now. Yeah. So that's just, just to think about that paradox. I think of, I know that's not very giving some practicalities, but a follower of Jesus is to think, and maybe that's something listeners that you can think about. Do you think day in and day out as not an American or if you're living, if you're somewhere else in a different country listening to We're our, in 27 different countries. The whole podcast is, by the way. Shout out to all wow, of those Wow, last I heard it was 23. So yeah. Global. So where, whatever country you're in, yes, you are a citizen of that nation, but but do you, I would like us to think more, I'm an ambassador and I'm actually a citizen of a heavenly nation. And that begins to shift the way we think day in and day out. Um, that's one thought. I do have a second one, but I've talked for a little bit, so. 
Yeah, what let's let like? Sean. What do you uh-huh. respond to that? Because that's that's a cool concept. But the idea of like the kingdom is already, but not yet. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think that's really great. And some of my thoughts are kind of in line with that, as far as you know, how what's the lens through which you're evaluating your life? Because you are in this kingdom of America, you know, but you're also in this not yet kingdom of of God's kingdom, of Christ's kingdom. And so, what does our behavior look like? You know. And two of the things that I've been thinking a lot about, one of them is just kind of like general, and then one of them is specific for this for this season of life, you know. The more general one is just, um, you know, I've found myself, it's kind of just a practical shift, is I find myself just constantly consuming information and media and all that kind of stuff. And you guys know this, and you guys listening know this, just, just American media is out to get your heart. It is just, it is hell-bent on getting you to think a certain way about something, doesn't matter if you're left or right or independent or whatever. That's their goal. They just, they want to influence your heart and your mind, you know? And I think it's really subtle. And a lot of us probably wouldn't say, oh, the news is controlling my heart or anything like that. But when you're just bombarded with that messaging 24 seven, you can't help but be influenced in that way, you know? And so I'm trying really hard right now in this season to make sure that my, my first and foremost source for truth in my life is scripture, you know? And that's the first thing I'm doing every single day for like 30 minutes before I do anything else, before I check my emails or read the news or anything is just, I want to soak a chunk of scripture and really ponder what does this mean in my heart and my life right now? How does this apply to me? And that's just a small little shift. But I think that that is an attitude that someone who is really a a citizen in the kingdom of God will have is, man, what is, what is the, the happenings of the kingdom right now? And what does that mean for me? You know, versus you, you dig into just, the world's media 24 seven, the world's news. And then you try to like kind of retroactively respond to that with truth, you know, and you're constantly playing catch up of, Oh man, this is happening. And which of course we don't want to be blind to those things. You want to do that process, but anyway, that's one thing. So I just want to be it's like getting your mind, right. Getting it's your like, mind, right. And like, yeah. I don't want to be worked up about the politics of my area, even if I don't agree with them. I don't want to be so frustrated about taxes, even though I don't like them, all that stuff, you know, cause I don't think that's what a citizen of, of Christ's kingdom would be like, you know? The second thing, which is kind of related to that, and this is more specific to, I think, just what this season is like for Valley Bible Church. A lot of you know there's just some unique such circumstances happening right now. And so for me, one of the things I'm really thinking a lot about as a citizen of Christ's kingdom, but also just a, a family member of VBC right now, is that we are called as citizens um, to, to be servants, you know? That's that's the heart of Christ's kingdom. It's to walk in love and it's to walk in humility and service towards others, you know? And one of the passages that I've been memorizing and thinking a lot about is Philippians 2, um, like 3 through 11. And it starts off just, hey, do not do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit, you know? And we could stop there and that'd be enough for us because we all can be convicted by that simple sentence, mm-hmm. you know? But you go on and it's like, man, don't, don't look to your own interests, but look to the interests of others. Count those more significant than your own, you know, because you can do this. You can have this mind because of Jesus. And then you're given that picture of his humility of just, he was God. He is God. And yet he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born as a man. And he became, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death on a cross. And through that process, God bestowed on him the name above every name, right? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow to the glory of, of God the Father. And so anyways, I'm thinking a lot about, man, how can I, in, in my, my family at home, but also here, how can I 
consider uh, considers others needs more than my own how can i walk in humility and 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 reflect jesus's example of being a servant even to the point of death on a cross you know because i'm convinced that that's the move for all of us right now in this unique season that's going to glorify the name of jesus yeah. you know but then also to, to the glory of god the father so anyways yeah well that's yeah, i love that because jesus if you read the gospels he's always talking to his disciples about the upside down nature of his kingdom. He's like, if you want to be first in my kingdom, guess what? You got to be last. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you need to become the servant of all, right? It's this, 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 if you want to, if you want to save your life, you need to lose your life for Mm -hmm. my sake. And so that is, yeah, that, that is a marker of citizens of the king is we, we lay down our life for others, just like our king did for us. So that's, that's, that's really beautiful. Amen. No, we were talking. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to tell you, I was going to a little plug, a shameless plug here for yeah. if you guys want to come on Thursday nights starting this week. This next two weeks, we're preparing in different ways, doing some prep work, but we're starting a series on the Sermon on the Mount, which wow. is we're calling to Dan, what Dan just said, the upside down kingdom that Jesus is presenting this kingdom that's just so countercultural to what they're thinking at the time a kingdom should be. And um, yeah, it's going to be really good. So yeah. Want to come? That's great. I'll be but, there. But in uh, thank you, Dan. Uh, in response, something that Sean that you said while you were chatting that just before we move on with this thought is, um, you know, that should I? How much should I? What, tell me, remind me what you said. Something about how much should I be involved in, like concerned about the outer culture. And yeah. Basically, my point was like, I don't want to be influenced and motivated by the world's happenings, but we also don't want to be numb to those things and naive about them. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, yeah. That so that made me just think this concept of like. What role, and this is, again, uh, maybe uh, we're just dropping a bunch of ideas for future podcasts, mm-hmm. but this would be a huge tangent for today. But just this idea of, like, how much should a Christian, a citizen of a godly kingdom be concerned with changing the culture around them mm. and shifting, like, even politics and, and life and situations and cultural trends? Or how much should we just let it do its thing? We live as citizens and... And we live in defense and protection of that, uh, you know, of God's values, or is there a middle ground, you know, things like that. And I think there's a, I think there is a, a tension we live in, in not getting too involved, but not being, making it so much that we're so removed that we're, we're not salt and light. Would you That's what it? I was thinking, salt and light. And, yeah. Yeah. And I look at, I was, I'm in Matthew, I opened up to Matthew chapter 17 here. And it's the time when Jesus is like, "Hey, who do people?" He's talking to his disciples, and he's like, "Who do people say I am?" And they're saying, "Well, there's lots of there's lots of rumors out there about who, you, lots of thoughts out there about who you might be." And prophet, teacher, Elijah come back, mm. all different things. And he's like, "Well, who do you say I am?" Which we've talked about before is the question that is presented to every generation of believers. They are responsible to know what is the current culture, what do they say about Jesus, and how are you talking about Jesus? What do you say about Jesus yeah. in that current culture? But a lot of times we stop there, and in it, listen to what it says. It says, Simon Peter says to him, well, I say you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for the for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. This is a supernatural revelation that you have, right? But my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, we guys have heard that, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of ink's been spilled on what that means. Yeah, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, yeah. you know that? 
And I think a lot of times we think about that passage as like the or that phrase, the gates of hell should not prevent will not, you know, prevail against it as as all the stuff that Satan's doing in a current culture in a current time, man, just hang on, Christian, like grit you know, buckle down, hold on to the faith and one day it's all gonna be it's all gonna be yeah, taken care of and, right. and the tsunami of Satan's evil is gonna it's gonna hit you hard, but but if you you'll be anchored to the truth and you'll make it through. And the idea is kind of a thinking of like we're on the defense and the, the armies of the of darkness are marching forward and don't worry they're not gonna prevail. But it says the gates of hell. And have you ever seen gates like march? Like the the concept that's being presented here is we're marching at the gates of hell. We're marching against the gates. And when you when you as an army marches at a wall or a gates, God's saying, as I send you to those things, they're not gonna stand. Like that's the so thing cool. they're not gonna stand. And so that yeah. so so there is this mindset of like an offensive kind of a role that the, the citizen takes. And we need to be careful not to run with that too far. I'm sure people have mis misinterpreted that in lots of ways, but the I guess for the listener today is like, as you're living as a citizen, what don't be afraid of the enemy's work in the current culture. One and you are can be more proactive in standing for truth than you realize, and and actually shift culture. Cultural shifts um, can take place in in towards heavenly living. Now that's really good. Yeah. Well, can can I? Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna respond to that, dude. I'm so glad you brought that up because I have been thinking about that a lot about. Just that tension, like you said, that in between of like, how much do we fight to change the world? You know, how much do we just sit in our holes and continue being faithful? You know, um, and it's this weird spot because, like, on one hand, you, of course, kingdom come. You know, like Lord, let, bring it down. Let's let's have this world reflect and love you. You know, and every yeah. knee bow before you. On the other hand, it's like, man, how like how is it reasonable to expect a nation of people who don't know you to live as if they did know you? You know, we're talking about laws or policies or that kind of that, that kind of thing. And that's a weird space to be in because, like you said, people take it too far and they're fighting to put laws in place or whatever, or fighting unjust laws against Christians, all this kind of stuff. And it's easy to get lost in that fight of just fighting for rights. Um, but one thing I keep thinking about, which you kind of hit on a little bit, is is one hundred percent we are called to to fight the work of Satan. <laughs> you know, we're called to do that. But I think where a lot of us get lost is. We, we consider that fight and the only way we know how to fight is the world's way of fighting it. You know, we don't think as much about what is Jesus model when it comes to fighting for the kingdom, you know, taking ground for the kingdom. And usually it's not, he goes from town to town telling everyone how they're evil and how they need mm-hmm. to change their rules. No, or pickets or pickets or, yeah. pickets or whatever that looks like, you know, usually it's, he is just modeling faithfulness and humility towards people. And as I'm reading through Luke right now, it's like time and time again, he does, he does amazing things that like unequivocally demonstrate that God is real and he is Lord, you know? And then what does he say time and time again? He says, don't tell anyone about this, you know? Cause, cause the proof is in the pudding. It's, it's, it's in who I am, not in how much I'm going to sway all these different things, you know? And so I've been thinking about that as far as when it comes to that like yucky, just murky territory of politics or all those kinds of things of just, well, how would Jesus approach this? Yeah. It's usually not by fighting the way that politicians fight or every other lawmaker fights. Usually it's, man, I think that there is a way forward that's more based on humility and just trust. And then, you know, we think about Ephesians 6 of what does 
warfare look like against Satan? Well, it's, it's taking on faith. It's, it's, it's resting in our righteousness before God. It's having peace given by the gospel. And of course we, there is offensive, but what is it? It's the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. You know, it's like you said, we can be firm to stand in truth without crossing that line of then just fighting like the world fights. Sorry, Dan. No, that's really good. It's really good. And I was just thinking just about what are some ways that we can know if we're, if we're doing that well or not. And I'll just throw out a couple of thoughts. I'm curious what you, if it's helpful for you guys or, or just what, what your rebuttals are. But I mean, if you think about the way Jesus went counterculture and then the way that after he ascended to heaven, the way that the first century church, the way it spread and the way it changed culture, it, and then if you look at any big movement of God throughout history, I mean, that movie just came out, the Jesus revolution, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it always seems to have this MO of being grassroots organic. Like it just, it just kind of, it's not this big production or this top down type of thing. It's just like, like you said, Sean, it just kind of, it, it spreads in this, in this really humble, but powerful way. And I was just thinking about this, uh, this idea of, you know, how much do we engage or how do we navigate? And for most of us, God is not calling us to be a city council person or serve in Congress or be the president of the United States or, or maybe even the, the CEO of a major corporation. Like most of us don't, aren't being called into these like mass widespread positions of influence. Would you guys agree? Like there are some who are, and, and, and it's, it's clear that that's what's going on. But most of us, our influence is um, it, we, we have a circle, right? And it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty small. And I think one of the challenges of, of this modern age that we're in is the information that we're exposed to, Sean, like you were talking about earlier. And so we, we know all the terrible things that are happening <laughs> in the world. We can, we can see this atrocity and this disaster, and we can hear about this injustice, right? It's, there's no limit to it that's kind of a newer problem, right? For, for, for humans to, to deal with. And what it does for us a lot of times is it, it pulls us out of our circle. It pulls us out of the people and the circumstances and the, the spheres of influence that are proximate to us, right? The things that we, we, God has really called us to. God has called us to our workplace. He's called us to our neighborhood. He's called us to the, to the, the Starbucks where we, where we go every yeah. day. You know, he's called us to the sports teams that our, that our kids play on and, the gym we go to and all this stuff that that's the place where we can really start to affect culture and to, to, to get on the offensive with, with the way that we live. And I wonder if, if, if just as a starting point, if each of us just said, Hey, I'm not, it's not that I'm going to be heading in the sand about what's happening in the greater world, but I'm really going to make the majority of my focus, you know, start with whoever and whatever is proximate to me. It's, it's, it's what I'm dealing with right here, right now. I think that would really help us a lot. Mm. And then, you know, the other thought I had was just going back to that Colossians chapter one, verse 13, amazing reality that God has transferred us from this domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And man, there's such a, con- a contrast there between darkness and, and beloved, right? There's like evil and, and you know, like just uh, death, versus love and life, you know? And 
maybe that's a good test for us, a good little check. As I'm engaging with politics, as I'm, I'm jumping in the, <laughs> the shark-infested waters of that social media, you know, uh, conversation, as I'm having this interaction with my coworker, whatever, are, could, is this moment, in this moment, am I, are my actions and my words and my attitudes more characterized by darkness? Am I participating with darkness? Am I spreading darkness? Am I, am I just spiraling downward? Or am I, am I speaking life? Am I speaking love over this person? Is, is this relationship or this situation um, reflecting the, the love of God? And I don't know. I feel like that's a pretty easy thing to identify pretty quickly, real time. And then you can kind of make a shift, right? Yeah. I'm listening to this podcast right now. Is this, is this producing darkness in me or is it producing love? You know, I'm I'm watching this show right now. I'm having this conversation. I'm or getting, in this conversation, I'm giving advice. Am I giving advice that represents kingdom of self, in my opinions, or right. something that's from the king? Right. And you you've been saying this a lot lately, Jason. It's really resounding with me. Is there's no middle ground, right? Like e- either in our thoughts, our actions, our words, our attitudes, are we are we instruments of righteousness for God's kingdom, or are we being used as a pawn of Satan? And there's there's no there's no middle ground, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's one or the other. Yeah, and on the, on the topic of conversation, like you're right, it is so easy to identify if we're leaning on the Holy Spirit to help us understand those things. But also, that's such an easy line to cross. That mid conversation, mid sentence, you know, you mm, can start a sentence, that's a great point, yeah. and you you start a conversation that is out of concern or love for what's happening or with a relationship or someone, and then before you know it, you're just gossiping. Before you know it, you're having conversations that's maybe not fruitful or helpful or beneficial. You or maybe know? it gets angry real quick. You start yelling at the person. Or yeah, or or, yeah. It's, or like you said, Jason, it's no longer grounded on God's truths, you know, but before you know it. And this happens all the time, you know. And so I think practicing something we've been talking about um, for a long time on the podcast, but just kind of that more breath, prayer, constant awareness type of thing of, man, how am I thinking? How am I responding? What's my... What's my um, just my mode of being right now, you know, in this conversation or with these circumstances or my job or whatever it is. Because again, the the things we can always, always lean on is God's word and his spirit right now. You know, we will never fail. If we're leaning on the Holy Spirit to help us and we're leaning on the truth from 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 his word, then then it's an easy fix for us for a lot of these yucky situations that we're bringing up. That's good. Connect. Can I connect our two themes uh, do it. Connect the dots. I was going to say that in where we live in what Sean and I were talking about, the tension of the of are we being offensive and advancing on Satan's gates? Or are we like being less proactive in that? And, you know, what's our role in that? I And then to your point, Dan, what, what the theme you were talking about, about um, and Sean just reiterated about this, this loving the people in the proximity that we're in. And letting that be the influence. Mm-hmm. I, what I want to see in a, in a citizen and a follower of Jesus is not someone that is consumed, or even focused, highly focused. Forget consumed mm-hmm. on how can I change the culture? How can I change? How can I change the culture? Like Satan's, you know, gates are powerful, but I know right, they right. won't. I know they won't prevail. But how do I? Do? I want them focused on. Jesus has a way of looking at life and people and love, and I want to think that way. And he and this king has sovereignly and providentially placed people in my life to to what to, uh, given me a certain level of influence and responsibility to what you were saying, Dan. A certain circle of influence, and that changes. Those circles and those people change, and those are the people that I'm to to be an ambassador to. 
And then here's the twist. When I am an ambassador, I want, I want citizens to believe this on a deeper level. When I am salt and light and an ambassador to those circles of people that I'm around, it changes culture. I don't know how. I don't understand how the, it links to it. I don't understand my, by me loving the person at the gym somehow and me representing Christ and speaking truth when I can at that, in those conversations, how that changes politics and policy and the changes of culture. That's God, the sovereign king and the providential king that rules over all. He'll take all those offerings that we give him and he'll weave them all together and he'll change culture to his glory. And so... But I want them to believe it does change. It does right. matter. It does matter. And so, it and, matters. And it's like the it, it's that grassroots kind of thing I was talking about, right? Like it 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 kind of it's like it's like guerrilla warfare almost. Like it, we're we're behind enemy lines. We've infiltrated and we're like we're just spreading, you know, yeah. and taking strongholds. And you know what I mean? Like, and I, I think it's because also that protects us from just this sense of feeling overwhelmed. Because it's really easy to turn on the news or, or or go through our social media feed and just be like, God, are you like, are you winning? Like, are, aren't you supposed to be like victorious here? You know, like, yeah, yeah. and we're just like, dude, this is terrible, right? But if, you know, it's 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 like trying to eat a whole entire pizza, right? Like you, you could never do it. And like you, you got to cut it up into slices, right? And just, so just focus on what's your slice today. Like, you know, like what, what is mm-hmm. God, what stronghold does God want you to take um, you know, in your neighborhood, in your yeah. family, whatever. Tim, Tim Keller has a thing about that. You know, since you mentioned Jesus Revolution, which if you guys haven't seen it, I have not seen it. Have you guys seen it? I haven't seen I it. I haven't seen it yet. Bad pastors. I don't have. Uh, I don't have time to go to the movies. <laughs> I have a high. I have a. I have a real sensitive cheese meter <laughs> on cheesy things. What yeah, I feel, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I know that Christian movies have gotten so much better. So much better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even just the previews, I can tell. But well, I feel like it's it, easy. It's it's easier it, to make it less cheesy when it's a documentary style. It is. Too, so but I heard great things about this, okay. and it does. For those of you who haven't seen it, the podcast listeners, um, it kind of co- covers a segment in history about the um, in the sixties and seventies the Jesus movement and a, a, a form of a revival that impacted a lot of people. And um, and I just wanted to quote, you know, Tim Keller. Uh, it was recently I was listening to him about just well, how do we define revival? We want we want to see. Um, revival in the sense of Christian revival, people living on living on point with the Lord, impacting the the, the people around them, seeing that that impact so have some impact on culture and life, and and something that he points out, and I'll add a fourth thing. He says that that um, three things take place when when it always seems to happen. Historians say in in local church, to your point, grassroots things, local church followers of Jesus. There's three collisions that are taking place. One, that when the local church has people in it, Christians that call themselves followers of Jesus and know they have been redeemed by the living God, um, they but have grown sleepy, what Ephesians kind of would say, wake up, oh, you sleepy Christian. You know? yeah, yeah. They've just grown sleepy in terms of floating through life, um, you know, doing the, 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 forgetting what the main thing the main is the main thing, and forgetting that Jesus and, and affecting culture in in terms of his love is the main thing, right? Yeah. And they're just kind of coasting through life. When they wake up, some the Holy Spirit wakes them up through a message, through a song, through um, prayer time, through something. The Holy Spirit, it's always rooted in the Holy Spirit, wakes them up and they remember, oh, yes, like what's the point of life? What's the point of living as a citizen here in this? When that takes place, at the same time when nominal Christians in a church, those are people, uh, listeners that, would claim to be a follower of Jesus, but 
they um they actually don't have the gospel. They don't they mm-hmm. maybe it's in their head, they can understand it intellectually, but it hasn't dropped to their heart in terms of how they live their life and it, they haven't changed who they are as a and they but they're thinking, oh, I'm I'm fine. I know the, I know I can say that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. When they get saved because sleepy Christians wake up and they start living their life for the for Christ, um Nominal Christians get saved within a church. When those two things happen, they start being salt and light in the culture and the influences and circles that they're around. And when that takes place, unsaved, lost people in the culture hear the gospel more clear and they see it in the lives of these other. They get they get saved. And when those mm. three things take place, he says that usually off you know by God's grace, led by the Holy Spirit. When when enough of those little local churches are that's that's what they're experiencing, there's a revival you see happen in a culture, and so he said, pray, pray for sleepy Christians in local churches to wake up and live on live for Jesus. Um, pray for nominal Christians to get saved, and then unsaved people to see that um, and see the salt and light, how how we're living as salt and light, and then they 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 call upon the name of Jesus and step out of the kingdom of right. darkness and the kingdom of light. I would say this, if you're discouraged too about like, oh, the kingdom of darkness is so strong and yeah, how do people yeah. get saved? I, I always think there's three types of citizens in the kingdoms of darkness. There's the king, there's the citizen in the kingdom of darkness that loves the darkness and doesn't actually want to mm-hmm. ever leave the darkness. There's the citizen in the kingdom of darkness that doesn't know they're in the kingdom of darkness and they're just living so ignorantly. Still, they're, they're going to be responsible for their sin. But they're just clueless to it, and what, they're like whatever, and don't know that they've been bamboozled. And but then there's a, a third category of people, citizens in the kingdom of darkness, and they're they're out there, and they don't always look like this, but they are people that have grown tired of the darkness. They they they're like they're um they're discouraged by it. They are feeling like man, nothing works. Like, they recognize like something is wrong. Something's wrong. Something is not right in culture, in life, in my life. All the things that I've tried to do with my career or my relationships, all the idols that whether they call it idols or not, they just all don't work. And those are the people that I'm looking for. Yeah. They've hit the end of the the, the yeah. rope, you know, the bottom of the barrel, if right. you will. And they don't always look like that. Like it's not some people look like they've hit the end they're <laughs> yeah. at the they're you know, that they're hit rock bottom. But some people look happy go lucky, but inside they're like, Man, I'm so tired of the darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's who I think are ripe for the gospel. And so that's you don't cool. have to when I said I look for them, that's actually not true. What I do is I pray for like God send me to those people. Like mm-hmm. give me and then you keep your radar people. open. Keep my radar open, yeah, so that I am just – those are the people that are going to be more right for the gospel. So the, that's what I pray for. The Tim Keller thing is that revival takes place in that way. I'm not going to be trying to make revival happen. I'm going to say, yes. Father, wake up sleepy Christians, save nominal Christians, let unsaved people who are tired of the darkness see that and come to Christ. And then yeah. that changes culture, and I trust that it, it does that. It reminds me of Jesus talking about like the sower of the seeds. Like, you're just going to spray that seed wherever you can. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's going to land where it lands. And some of them are going to land on the path and birds, which are Satan, are going to take it away. Like you mentioned, those people, Yeah. some are going to land on the thorns and the cares and pleasures and riches of the world are going to make them not care. You know, like those people you mentioned, some are going to land on the stone and they might hear it, but then they don't have a foundation. So it just kind of goes away. Like those are the lukewarm people you mentioned, but then some are going to land on rich soil. 
and they're going to, they're going to grow and, and nurture and develop and live by faith, you know, and, and it's going to produce exponentially more than, yeah. than, than, than what you originally sow. And our responsibility yeah. as sowers is not to get so hung up on how to influence the different types of grounds. We're just supposed to sow the seed, yeah. you know, and be faithful yeah. and. Yeah. Anyways, on my last thought on the whole kingdom thing, which kind of ties in with that of just being faithful and constant is, you know, going back to that, that topic of how do we deal with the world's uh, opposition to Jesus, you know, and that includes politics, but narrows down to our workplaces, which narrows down to one-on-one relationships, all these things, you know, I'm convicted recently. um, And I'll challenge you listeners. Maybe this will convict you as well. I think a lot of these conversations we're having or we're fighting, quote unquote, fighting different things. Um, we, we say they're for Jesus, but at the end of the day, if we really look at our hearts, we're fighting because whatever X, Y, or Z is, is the less comfortable thing for us as Christians. Mm. You know, come on, we, come on. We, we don't want that thing because it would make it harder for me to be a parent in the Bay Area or it'd be harder for me to, you know, whatever the situation is. Um, and, and I'm convinced reading scripture that that's not what Christ says about our existence as citizens. He says it straight up that life is going to be hard and that's how people are going to see me. You know, that, that if you're going to follow me, you're going to carry your cross daily and that's, what's going to give me glory, you know? And so that's my challenge to you as we wrap up here is just consider your heart, your attitude. What's troubling you? That's my first question. What's troubling you? Follow up question is, is it troubling you because you are pained for, for Christ, you're pained for lost souls, you're pained for, um, people being hurt by sin or mm. is it troubling you because it inconveniences you somehow? Mm. Is it trouble you because it doesn't line up with what your with goals your are? With your kingdom of yourself. No, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and again, Satan is so cunning and it's sneaky. We, we, we are so good as Christians at making our goals somehow coincidentally perfectly line up with what the world's goals are. <laughs> you know, we, we convince ourselves that this must be God's plan to be that CEO you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Because of course, think of the influence I can have for God or, or X, Y, and Z. But Jesus lays it out. That's not the pattern he has laid out for what it looks like to be a citizen. Because at the end of the day, like you guys both said, God does not need us. The victory is done. Mm-hmm. The victory is won over the kingdom of darkness. He doesn't need our power to win. What he needs from us and wants from us is faithfulness and love, like you said. And that's going to be the testament to who Jesus is. Like yeah. that person you talked about who they're, they're hungry, they're ready for it. They're ready for the good news. What's going to save that person's heart and soul is not a policy change. It's not a card in the mail, whatever. It's going to be because they encounter the person of Jesus. Yeah. Whether that's through the Holy Spirit, whether that's through your interactions with them, walking in love and humility, it's going to be the person of Jesus. And so, yeah, all to say, uh, check your heart yeah. and where you're at. And let's, uh, let's be humble, faithful citizens together. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> um, Jason, we I can't... Have... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to a question for you guys. Yeah. Because I have an assignment like Sean just gave for, sure. for that's a practical thing for our, our listeners. Do it. On what we talked about. But I do have a thought. I don't know if we have time for it that I feel like could open up another thing where I'm just about, we've talked a lot about the citizens, but we haven't talked a lot about the king. Let's and save I do it. Have a, let's I, save I have it a for thought, thought about that that I think might be good to drop, but we can save it. Give, 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 give a, put it in question form. Let it be yeah. a reflection thought. Okay. Cliffhanger, if you will. Let me, so let me give the assignment though. The assignment is if you were, so if you were to write things down, I know you're probably, if you're probably listening to this, you're probably jogging or walking or shopping, but um, if you can write this down, it would be this. I'll give you four, some words here. Life would be the first word. Guidelines and boundaries. That's the second line. Life, then guidelines and boundaries, then principles. The next 
line down would be values and convictions and then beliefs. Last thing. So hmm. life, guidelines, boundaries, principles, values and convictions, beliefs. Let me just say this way. I'm, I'm doing the reverse order. You, All you listeners were in my, and the three of us chatting today, we're living our lives, right? And just the nature of living our lives, we have, we have purposely, consciously or subconsciously, we're living by certain, and th- this next line is guidelines and boundaries. There's certain things we do and there's certain things we won't do in order to advance in life and move forward, right? There's certain guidelines and boundaries. Those guidelines and boundaries are rooted in certain principles, whether we've articulated them or not. And those principles are rooted in certain values and convictions that we have, whether we've articulated them or not. But every human being is living their life with certain kind of guidelines and boundaries. Those are rooted in certain kind of principles. Those are rooted in certain kinds of values and convictions. And lastly, those values and convictions are rooted in beliefs. And those beliefs are anchored to something. And I am saying, if we are saying, if you do not anchor, Sean just said that, to the word of God, then by default, you won't, you'll still live your life with guidelines and boundaries and principles and convictions and beliefs, but they will be anchored to something else that will eventually fail you. It'll be a kingdom of self. It'll be your own opinions. It'll be what family's taught us, what history's taught you, what cult, what culture's teaching right now. So what I'm wanting to say is that you are currently living your life with boundaries and principles and values and convictions and beliefs that are rooted in something. Mm. And if you don't daily... Um, Charlie uh, challenged us at the Crossing Campus to daily get on our knees and say, may they be rooted, are my beliefs and my convictions and values and principles, I think they're rooted in Christ. But but I'm telling you, we are wicked people, and we are easily swayed. My heart is easily swayed. So as much as I'm telling you guys today that I want to live as a citizen of God's kingdom, and I am a citizen, I am still trying to always build kingdom of self. I'm of a very sneaky self. And so daily I'm praying, God, may your word and may the King Jesus be what guides my beliefs, values, convictions, principles, guidelines of my life. So that's just a prayer, you know, yeah. that little breakdown. Um, any thoughts on that? And then I'll, you want me to say my, my thing? My no, I say, say your cliffhanger. It's beautiful. Self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah. Cliffhanger is if we had a time to talk about the king, the king, we – we talk a lot about him being sovereign, and I and I think we've missed something. We being a maybe just Valley Bible Church, um, we, I'm thinking and praying as one of the pastoral teachers here that we've not done the, the best job of like helping people understand the difference between the doctrine of sovereignty and the doctrine of providence. And some of us, some of you, as I say this, are going to be like it's semantics, it's semantics. But the nutshell discussion would be to just talk in a, a cliffhanger here about. What is the difference, and why does it matter that I have a sound understanding of a king who, is, who I'm a citizen in his kingdom, and that king is both sovereign and providential? And I'll give you a little—the teaser will be this. If there was a human king in a realm, and let's say Sean is that human king, and let's say it's Dan— all downhill from here. <laughs> let's say Dan lives in that realm, and Dan wants to report— to King Sean that there's some type of evil or darkness or wrong wrongdoing in the realm. If he gets there and he reports that and Sean listens to him and says, okay, and hears this for the first time and then has and agrees that it's wrong 
and then has the right and the authority and the power and the backing to do something about it and nothing can stop Sean, that's Sean's sovereignty in the realm. Does that kind of make mm. sense? So Sean's like, I hear that there's something wrong and I will, and I have the power and the might and nothing can stop me and my army or my, my rule to, to make things right. That speaks to Sean's sovereignty in his realm. But if when Dan showed up at, at the king at, to the king Sean and said what he was about, he said, hey, "There's some darkness in the realm," or "I got to report something's wrong." If if Sean, King Sean also says, "Dan, I already knew. I already know about that, mm-hmm. and I've known about it for a long time. And there's been multiple. There's multiple plans, and I've already mm-hmm. my 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 working is already out there. And not only when I when I deal with it because I have the power and the might and the authority to do so, I'm carefully thinking about every person in the realm and I'm thinking about your life, Dan, too, and how it affects you. And I'm taking every detail in account in a in a kingdom in a kingly, fatherly way as well. And all my plans will come together. Nothing will throw that speaks to Sean's King Sean's providential power. And I just want to that is worth thinking about when we think about Almighty King Jesus, who is sovereign over all, has jur- high, jur- the highest jurisdiction there is but is also providential. And that the idea of a king, we are citizens in a kingdom where the king is all-powerful in terms of his sovereignty, but all-powerful in terms of his providence too. And that will affect every scenario you're in. Mm. And I think just like, I mean, quick response. I think most people that I deal with in my life and my own self too, I think most people who follow Jesus have a harder time trusting his providence than his sovereignty. When it comes down to it, I think usually when someone's questioning God or just struggling with something, it's because they're questioning his providence. They don't like what X, Y, or Z is happening. You know, they don't trust that his plan is right, that kind of thing. So that's great. But you're right. It's never wrong because yeah. he is sovereign. If he's sovereign, then his providence can never be the wrong thing for your yeah. life. Jason, we can't thank you enough for coming. We appreciate it. It's always such a rich time. Um, before we sign off, uh, you know what else citizens of the kingdom do? They get together for praise and prayer, and we have some amazing opportunities coming up this week. Wow. Uh, so we are, Valley Bible Worship is taking it on the road. We're going into homes throughout the valley. We On Friday night, March 3rd, we're going to be in Livermore. On Saturday night, March 4th, we're going to be in Pleasanton. And on Tuesday night, March 7th, we're going to be in Danville. And we're going to be gathering together in living rooms and just have a uh, just a free flowing, spontaneous time of of worship and prayer, and we just invite you to come. It's going to be starting at seven o'clock on those nights. Pick one, come to all three, whatever whatever you feel led to do. But we're really just anticipating um, just a powerful time of of uh, doing what we're talking about, like aligning ourselves with God's kingdom. Um, worship and prayer is is how we get on the offensive um, and. And, and and start to really see culture shift um, in some really powerful ways too. So come participate with us in that. We'd love to see you there. Abide by coming to abide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Behold, abide. I mean, all those things. We like our words. All right, hopefully we'll see you all there, and hopefully we'll see you guys on Sunday. We got two more weeks in Luke, and then we are breaking for our Easter teaching series called Risen. Indeed. He is. <laughs> Good day to everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. 
If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week. Online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.